have a cool new way to do hops and a confusing acronym. There's a can shortage out. Calm down, it's worse than you think. We got some breweries getting creative with their packaging for COVID. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer. Like most news podcasts, you're going to want to drink after this, but unlike lesser news shows, you're going to learn what beers are the best ones to wipe away the pain of your meaningless existence. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I've been reading a lot of Nihilist Darbies, and we exist in <laughs> 2020, so... <laughs> How you doing, Tyler? I'm doing excellent. How are you, Jeremy? Uh, well, I'm doing okay. Uh, we've got a special guest on the show. Perhaps. I know. <laughs> Would you like to introduce our special guest? <laughs> so, uh, uh, since we have to do this late at night, and uh, and uh, my wife is desperately needing sleep, uh, my my newborn son Declan is here to uh, to join us. Um, so, uh, Tyler, try not to curse in front of the fucking baby. And oh. <laughs> yeah, because I'm gonna be the worst influence on that fucking kid. And, you know, so if you hear, like, some random crying or, you know, coughing or some other, some other strange sounds, this time it's not me. And it probably <laughs> won't be Tyler. It's actually, it could, it's kind of split three ways now. So, you know, use your best judgment to decide if that howling is either me, Tyler, or the baby. <laughs> Tyler, what are you drinking today? <laughs> I am drinking uh, Melvin's uh, first sour they released in a can, if I'm correct. Their Sour Soul Volume 1, a sour ale brewed with passion fruit and guava. Yeah, I've got my hands on that one. What do you uh, What do you think about it? I think it is very delicious, refreshing. You get kind of that nice bright fruit flavor coming through, uh, almost a little salty towards the back end that leaves it nice and refreshing. Uh, I had bought this, excited to try it when it was warm out, put it in my fridge, forgot about it and then tonight i was like shit i need a beer for the podcast and started rummaging through my fridge and was like oh this sounds good nice uh i've decided to plunge uh, uh way into a dark beer season uh because it just sounded good um i'm actually starting off with a uh with an old favorite that uh, I thought was gone for good, but it seems to be back again. Um, Odell's Lou Jean Chocolate Milk Stout. What? Yes, it is, is back, back, baby. <laughs> just normal Lou Jean, or is it barely? No, Lou it's Jean? just normal Lou Jean. Oh, uh, fuck yes, I'm going to buy some. <laughs> I was so happy. So if you're not aware, um, I guess you know what? Here's my here's my best guess. I think it was either I think it was 2016. Was the last year because uh, they discontinued Lou Jean for whatever reason? I don't know. I, it was one of their most popular seasonals, and so of all the beers to discontinue, I don't know why that was one that made the cut. Um, because they wanted to hurt me. Well, I mean, it was gone in 2016. It's back now. Not to make this all political, but maybe this beer can't exist. It can only exist in a world where there's only so much evil. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Correlate, correlation is not causation. But I'm glad it's back. <laughs> I am excited. That just made my weekend. And it is everything I remembered. It's like rich and chocolatey. 
and chocolatey. I mean, there's there's not a lot of depth to it. It's pretty much chocolate milk for adults. But God but I don't it want goes. it to have a lot of depth. I want it to just be delicious. And it is that. It is absolutely that. So uh, and nutritious. And then I got an imperial stout uh, to uh, 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 to finish us off. Holy shit! I didn't know it was that high. I'm gonna get shit faced tonight. Declan, we're gonna have fun. All right, <laughs> Tyler, are you ready to uh, ready to kick off this uh, this son of a bitch? Oh yeah, let's let's light this bottle rocket. So we've got a fun new hopping technique out uh, that, oddly enough, we both argued who'd get to claim the article for the podcast. <laughs> so uh, a little peek behind the curtains. Uh, um, there, you might be shocked. Um, you know, with as well uh, as with as well of, uh, uh, as I'm proving right now, actually, how smooth and effortless this show seems, but uh, and and how much planning must go into uh, uh, every episode of, of it's all beer. But uh, I'm gonna go ahead and surprise you. Um, there's not much. <laughs> <laughs> or you may be able to tell that very easily. <laughs> it's uh, up to you. You know, uh, in the day leading up to it, uh, uh, me and Tyler. Uh, Actually, we've haven't really done that much until recently. Usually, we just read stories and then we come together. Um, we talk about what stories we what what stories we want to talk about. Ninety percent of the time, we pick completely different stories, so it works out. Um, a lot of times, we'll like see a story, like oh, you know, Jeremy or Tyler will he'll pick that one up. Every once in a while, we pick the same story, and this is that's what happened today. <laughs> So it's an article by Vine Pear, uh, written by Courtney Eisman, uh, talking about this new hop, hop technique called HDHC. And if you're thinking the same thing I was when I saw this article, what the fuck is HDHC? It was high density hop charge. Hop charge, yes. Uh, it's kind of being like pioneered by. Brooklyn's other half brewing. Um, and the reason this kind of method came to be was the constant pressure from the consumers to want that bigger, bolder, like more hot forward IPA. Um, that is that is kind of the, the, the alchemy that we're learning to how to deal with in the craft beer industry because um, – you can only add so many hops before you start extracting some unpleasant, uh, un unpleasant uh, uh, flavors from them. Yeah, and a couple of years ago, the big innovation was uh, basically hop hash or cryo hops, where if you've ever seen a documentary about smoking marijuana, because nobody in Idaho smokes marijuana because it's illegal. Um, and they never break the law. <laughs> Uh, it's basically where when they're processing the hops, uh, they have a container underneath the processor uh, that just catches the lupulin powder. And the lupulin powder is where you get a lot of that real juicy, like fruit forward flavor without all the kind of veg vegetal matter of the rest of the hop. The Like the grassy, resinous, yeah. It's where you get that really, really fresh, dank, delicious hop flavor. So that blew the doors off. But the high-density hop charge is 
and they actually talked about a specific beer that other half does with it, the more citra than all citra, where they use citra cryo, citra pellet hops, and then citra incognito. Uh, again, I went, what the fuck is citra incognito? I was tracking, I was tracking, not tracking. Um, luckily, they hyperlinked it. And Jeremy, correct me if I'm wrong, but basically looking at it, it's basically like a hop extract oil, but in liquid, like almost for any homebrewers out there, like liquid malt extract form. Uh, I took a look at it as well, and I there's not a lot of information on what it is. It's not hop oil. Um, I can think I, I say I can I think I can say that with some uh, some authority, um, just because of the sheer volume that they're using. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess what is near it's some kind of hop hop syrup, um, mm-hmm. and so you know what or how or, or or what exactly it is. I'm not entirely sure, but I think hop syrup is the best is is the best uh, uh, descriptor I got for it. Yeah, the best I could think of is it's a blend between like hop oil and like liquid malt extract. I mean, clearly there's hop oil in it, but it's not an extract yeah. of just the oil. So I would imagine there. I mean, besides besides the 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 hop oil, you've also got some eulupulin compounds, and I mean, I think it's less refined than pure hop oil. But um, what? ever mad scientist thing this is um it did mention that it's specifically made to be put in the whirlpool um which i assume means it's got uh, alpha acids that are through the roof so you put this shit in the boil <laughs> you can just say goodbye to your taste buds probably um or it's just a waste of money because none of that flavor is going to translate in and that's what you're going for I mean, famously, you know, I mean, uh, especially like some of these, uh, uh, some of these things have alpha acids, you know, in the 30, 50, you know, 90% range. And yeah, you're going to hit a thousand IBUs and, and feel nothing. Yeah. And the article mentions that by using the cryo hop, the incognito and the typical hop pellets, uh, you get a better yield on the beer. You're having less waste. Uh, avoiding potential hop astringency, and the all three of these products together create a clean, bright, and powerful flavor that is equivalent to 15 pounds of hops per barrel. Which is, uh, for those of you asking, is that a lot? Yeah, that's, that's, that, I mean, that's, I've had beers that, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's a half a pound of uh, hops, um, uh, per gallon, so. Yeah, uh, it's more than that. Uh, no. Uh. So, I mean, on the homebrew yeah. scale, you know, that's using upwards of, you know, two pounds or what have you. Yeah. Uh, math is hard. <laughs> but I, I guess best way to put it is if any of the listeners out there can remember, like, green flashes, like, west coast ipa i think they bragged on the label they use six pounds of hops per barrel in that yeah so i mean that is that is an objectively insane amount of hops is 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 what i think what we should be uh getting out there yeah and um 
they actually talked to a couple breweries that are doing the high density hop charges and they were talking about how it's become a good marketing tool for them uh, that some beer nerds and beer drinkers can actually recognize it's starting to become more prevalent kind of like uh recently there was a big trend in oh double dry hop say so they the they made a big deal in the article about uh this new technique which is also extremely i i don't know did did you try to find out what the hell this technique actually is like what the what the exact process is cuz i tried and i couldn't find diddly squat the best thing i could come up with is using a product like incognito in the whirlpool but i'm not entirely sure yeah, that's kind of all I was really able to find out. The only the only thing I found out found by googling, um, you know, the, the, trying to find the technique is is links to the uh, web pages of Trillium and other half, you know, saying, "Hey, we use this technique." I'm like, "Yes, I'm aware you do. Tell me what as is. Tell tell me what you do. Tell me, give me your secrets, other half." <laughs> yeah, the only thing I can think of is it's just they're using like the incognito in the whirlpool the cryo and um like the early dry hop and then the final dry hop as uh pellets would be my only guess but i probably pellets in the boil too because you well yeah if you're making northeast ipas you i uh you know, uh, uh, not to give any secrets out, but the uh, the the our flagship uh, 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 North uh, East IPA at the shop, I actually used no hops in the boil. Yeah, I was gonna say it's all flame it's out become, or after. Yeah, and that's becoming a bigger trend in the hazy community. So, so. it's which so it's very possible they don't use any in the boil. Which was for those of you who are not uh, familiar with. Uh, what hops do at various parts of the process um the longer they're in the boil that's the more bitterness they're going to add obviously if you don't use them at all in the boil very low bitterness yeah and the rest of the article kind of goes on to talk about just how crafters really you know become innovative and once someone starts to innovate in one way it just takes off throughout the industry with the double dry hopping the dip dry hop or the dip hopping and then now starting to pick up the high-density hop charge. Or is it just, I mean, and it may be just this is one of many products that's just using a product like uh, like that late in the process. But uh, I don't know. I'm going to do, I, I'm, I'm going to, my, uh, my uh, research time was a little bit cut short today. So maybe if I have time this week, I'll, uh, I can come back with a full report on what the fuck this thing is. Yeah, the only thing I could think of, and... I mean, I, I would love to know the whole process is they're using the incognito in that flame out or in the whirlpool, rocking the cryo in an early stage dry hop and then doing some pellets late stage or something like that. So um, I guess what I'm saying is um, if you want to know the secret of uh, other half and Trillium and all the other ones engaging in this new hop experiment, stay tuned. We will find out for you. Even if I have to go and bug them myself, you hear me other half, I'm coming for you. Or if you know 
feel free to reach out to us, and we'd love to have you on so you can explain it to us. Or you could go the non-threatening creepy route. Yeah, I suppose if you actually know, you could just send us an email. And that email is itsallbeer at gmail.com, and that way I don't have to stalk uh, the people from other half. And get another restraining order. <laughs> you know, every one I get from a brewery is like a badge of honor. Jeremy just, likes to call them a stay-at-home order. Just, just waiting for my one from Stone this year. <laughs> oh, fuck Stone. What do we got next, Jeremy? You think shit's bad now? Well, just wait till you run out of fucking beer news now. Don't um, do that to me, Bobby. Uh, if there's a theme for 2020, it's that, uh, 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 is that the Corona makes everything shittier. Um, and I'm not just talking about the beer. Uh, let's talk aluminum cans. I think it's pretty well known that the craft beer industry is facing a, a shortage of uh, 16 and 12 ounce uh, aluminum cans, but the extent of the shortage is just now becoming clear. Uh, this comes from a Washington Post article by Laura Riley and the Traverse Ticker by Craig Manning. The fact that there's an aluminum shortage uh, at first glance shouldn't surprise anyone. Uh, bars and restaurants closed and they had limited capacity and people started drinking a lot more at home. And cans are what we use to transport beer from brewery to store to home. So, you know, uh, when people drink it at home, that's how you get that there. But uh, the full extent of of uh, what's happening is um, is coming is we're, it's being reported from the manufacturers of uh, of aluminum cans, and it's poised to put a lot of people, especially small brewers, uh, with a lot of beer but nowhere to put it. Um, now we need to start off. There's this is actually nothing new. There's been an aluminum shortage for a while. Among the factors, um, an ill-fated trade war with China. That didn't, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, now again, not to get political, but uh, it's a uh, person or persons who will remain unnamed did uh, 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 decide to uh, uh, put tariffs on uh, imports from China. Among them was refined aluminum, and um, that's okay. Uh, America's great again. So who needs raw materials? But I did think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Molson Coors or Miller Coors or whatever the U.S. subsidiary of that is, and Anheuser-Busch both went back to the government when they put that in and were like, yo, you got to pull this because that's bad for business. Um, yeah, but it did. I mean, once you start, uh, as we found out this uh, year, once you start disrupting the uh, the the supply chain, it stays disrupted. And but there's but actually but and part of this is I mean that happened at the same time something else was happening and that was the absolute explosion of crafts or, or sorry of uh, of hard seltzer. So not only True. was raw material being interrupted, and thus, I mean, not so much you couldn't get it, but the price was going way up. But hard seltzer was absolutely going nuts. And they're diverting some of that raw aluminum to, to a different cam style. Um, and then another thing was happening, which was um, uh, cans were becoming the preferred um, package of uh, beer in general. But also craft beer. I mean, you remember not that long ago, four or five years ago, you go to a bottle shop and it was a bottle, bottle. shop. Um, there were can't you know there were a few breweries starting with cans. Um, I think locally, Sockeye was doing cans. Uh, Oscar Blues famously had started with cans. 
Um, mm-hmm. They were here and there, and the trend was going in that direction, but it was still primarily bottles. Uh, go to a bottle shop now. You know, go to or go check out your uh, grocery store's uh, craft section now. I mean, it's um, f- bottles are a lot more rare. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, uh, uh, decreased uh, 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 decreased raw materials, increased demand. Um, uh, but actually, and, and in fact, I didn't know this. Twenty twenty was set to be the first year that craft beer cans outsold bottles. And I was Damn. and I was surprised um, it was taking that long. Again, you kind of look at uh, at uh, bottle shops these days, and you you uh, it's it's almost hard to find glass. So yes, but on the flip side, you still have a lot of those old legacy brands like Sierra Nevada, Deschutes, that just recently have basically stopped in the grocery store setting, sending twelve packs of can bottles and are now replaced it with 12 packs of cans um so the, the point i'm kind of getting at is the supply chain was already strained um before before uh, it got to this point and then the pandemic hit uh people went to the grocery store bought cans and mass and things got worse um bell corp uh the largest of the like three producers of aluminum cans um, bell or ball ball what i say bell bell okay ball as in as in what am i kick you in when you correct me again um <laughs> singular because we all we all know you only have the one ball corp <laughs> the largest of like the three producers of aluminum cans um announced that they were going to be 10 billion short uh in 2020 um, furthermore, they don't anticipate having the production to catch up for at least two years. So, Damn. um, which, which basically means, uh, um, uh, I mean, you're already getting stories from all over the country of, of like, um, ship, you know, cans arriving just in time before they are, before they, uh, um, before they're needed or, or um, you know, having to wait, stop production, waiting on cans. Um, what they're trying to do about it, um, Ball, is installing new lines in existing facilities, which will add um, uh, uh, oh, upwards of like six billion cans um, uh, by the end of 2021. Um, right now, uh, importers are bringing in over a billion, uh, over two billion cans, um, and the rest of the industry is set to produce 12 billion more cans by the end of 2020. 2021 but that doesn't do us a lot of good right now so you can see the problem yeah also isn't ball building a couple new like production facilities as well to help it did some of that the only thing that, that i it, it uh mentioned in either this was this mostly came from the washington post article and they only mentioned adding new production lines um to their existing facilities now if they may be building another one, but it didn't mention it in the article. Okay, I think they are in like Arizona or something. Now they mentioned the they mentioned a facility in Arizona, and it's it's already an existing facility. They're just adding more production um, capacity. Okay. So, um, but anyway, um, so the 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 big issue here though is that this is going to hit small breweries the hardest. 
um, Bud, Coors, Pepsi, Coke. Um, they all order their cans years in advance on contract. Um, they're the biggest, um, obviously, say obviously they are by far the, uh, uh, the biggest customers. So they get first dibs. Um, you do not piss off Z Budweiser. And um, Budweiser is the small dog in this game. Correct. Um, I mean, really Pepsi and Coke are, 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 uh, are, are the ones, uh, uh, eating up a lot of those. Um, so, um, and actually it was a, it's an interesting story that, uh, this came uh, from the, uh, from the other article. Um, in one instance, um, the CEO, um, from shorts brewing, um, he first saw just how bad this was going to be, um, in spring, um, and which had him prompt to order as many cans as he could physically afford at the moment. He said he went to, uh, um, of all places, Kudoba. Um, and saw that they had shut down their fountain drink station. So instead of uh, giving customers cups to go over to the station and pour fountain drinks, they were giving their customers, um, you know, cans of soda. Oh shit! To which he kind of thought about that. And he asked he asked the the the, pe- the the person at the counter about it, and they said that it was not only they were not doing doing there. It was a franchise wide um, uh, uh, mandate. And he kind of did the math in his head, like, well, let's see, how many locations does Kudoba have? How many extra cans is that? Oh, shit, fuck. I'm going to go buy mm-hmm. them all. Um, <laughs> so uh, in a few instances, if the, the people that are able to predict this happening have you know, went and bought as many as they can, um, others have to get more creative. Um, some breweries like Dewclaw um, had a bottling line that they were set to retire. Um, that they not always, anymore. <laughs> suddenly, like, ooh, let's uh, let's hold off on that. Let's uh, fire up this bad boy again. Um, and other breweries are resorting to more desperate measures. Um, they're buying surplus cans from bigger breweries, um, and relabeling them. And they're buying like misprinted beer, uh, misprinted labels or seasonal beers that didn't sell, and basically resleeving them. Um, which. On a on a related note, um, I almost bought it to bring it uh, to uh, uh, to bring it and show just for uh, uh, for this story. Um, I saw one such uh, a resleeving job that was the worst from uh, Uinta. I kind of looked; it's their hazy hop notch. I kind of look. I go, okay. You don't use a transparent uh, <laughs> beer sleeve, or at least a almost transparent, because you look at the guy like. I can see the label beneath it. Oh, <laughs> I I know these be rough times, but um, that's <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know the brewery I work for right now. We're resle we're relabeling some of our seasonal beer cans of printed cans that we don't do that beer anymore or aren't bringing it back, and we've tried to make sure that you know we match up the colors for the new label to something close to that. So it looks like it kind of blends together. But at this point, it's you do what you got to do. I mean, there's going to get a point where like, you know what? Fuck it. Slap a sticker on it. And let's get it out. It people, if people like our beer, they will forgive this shitty label job. Yep. Um, um, and that's, uh, um, but that's I, I, where I, a lot of people are like looking at, um, a situation where the cans just don't exist 
And um, like, for example, a, a CEO of Three Daughters Brewing, he's actually been lucky enough to get uh, truckloads of cans, but is now on an eight week wait list for the lids. Yep. And so, and that means his production is shut down until then. And although, although draft is picking up, if only slightly, although maybe getting shut down in uh, parts of the country again in a quick fast and in a hurry, um, that's putting a major crimp on production. And um, him and other brewers have, have said this is going to be one more thing that could kick, uh, kick breweries out. Yep. Yeah, and that's that makes me sad too, Declan. Yeah, it's okay. And the problem that no one really saw coming was the lids, I feel like, because everyone's like, oh, well, we can still get cans. And then they forgot that 16, 12, 8-ounce cans and fucking 19.2-ounce cans all take the same lid top. Um, and in case you're, I mean, if you're listening to this and you're going lids, there are no lids. You just like the, this little like thing, you pop the top, you drink it. So, the, I mean, the way most of these things work is that there's the can and then you actually put a lid on top and then run it through a seamer that seals the, the, the can. So, uh, and they are sold separately, which is mm-hmm. super duper handy, super <laughs> duper handy. Yep. It's just not so. one of those things you thought you would have to worry about pre-pandemic. Uh, but yep. here we are. And with all those little breweries adding 16-ounce crawlers or 19.2 crawlers, they were all buying lids that the breweries that had 12-ounce cans in grocery stores or 16-ounce cans in grocery stores could use. Guess what I'm saying is if you have your bottling line, maybe give it a couple more years. You might need it. Yep. And if you don't have one, um, well... <laughs> what's actually kind of funny too is i saw an article from seven point analytics um talking about this can shortage is gonna be what causes the skew shakeup in grocery stores because there's so many breweries that have let's say like seven skews in there but only three actually perform well in the grocery stores the other four do okay, or two of the four do okay, and then the other two are just shelf turds, basically. Um, if this does away with um, the uh, Sam Adams IPA pack, I will dance on that grave. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to cause breweries to start looking and sitting down and going, okay, what beers do we really have to scrap? If push comes to shove and we need these cans for our best sellers, what are we getting rid of? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I hadn't thought about that, but it, I mean, that makes total sense. If you're, if you are, if your uh, packaging is limited, you're going to package what's going to sell. Yeah. So, which may be good. It may help those breweries when we get to the other side. They've got rid of some brands that weren't helping them and they can come out with a beer that's actually going to boost sales and they come back even stronger. Hopefully. Uh, just one of the things that we'll, we'll see what happens, uh, 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 post pandemic, uh, when we can, uh, get our beer in glasses as God intended. <laughs> uh, cans are better, Jeremy. <laughs> I was talking more of like pour a pint. Yeah, uh, fair enough. 
No, I'm with you. I'm I'm I am a supporter of cans and have been uh, for a while. All right, Tyler, uh, you have happier news. I should I should hope. Well, we're gonna stick along the lines of craft beer in cans. Um, so I saw this article on craftbrewingbusiness.com, uh, and it's titled "Off Premise and Off the Wall: uh, Five Creative Craft Beer Packaging Concepts." So. As Jeremy talked about earlier, there was the rise in people having to buy beer and drink it at home. Uh, so the Colorado Brewers Guild actually assembled a little showcase showcasing what some of the breweries in the guild have come up with to help boost sales, kind of stand out a little more on the shelf outside of just your normal six-pack. Um, one of the ones they brought up uh, and I think my second favorite out of this list of scene <laughs> was High Hops Brewing out of Windsor, Colorado decided just to say, fuck a six, fuck a 12 pack, fuck a 15 pack. We're going for the 30 rack. Uh, I mean, I, I was wondering how long before, uh, well, I mean, what was it? Um, Austin Beer Works uh, famously did their 99 pack. 99 but... pack. But I mean, yep. that's that's fucking impractical. It's it was only a matter of time before somebody did a thirty rack. Yep. Uh, so it's their cold one craft lager. Uh, they priced it at thirty bucks a thirty rack. And that's I mean, I got on point for like Coors Light or Bud or something. A little more expensive. I mean, uh, a little bit more, but I mean, you know, I take I take that over. I, I take a little bit of an increase for something that's not, uh, you know. Mule, yeah. mule piss in a can. Yeah. Uh, the head brewer and production manager was quoted saying, who doesn't, you know, we chose to do a 30 rack because of nostalgia reasons. Who doesn't remember grabbing a 30 rack in college? And why wouldn't you grab a 30 rack of craft beer to that you'd feel good supporting that brewery? And you get better beer. Uh, I mean, I have a soft spot in my heart for real shitty beer. And yes, you just do, saying, Mr. Northern Idaho. <laughs> and just saying, like, oh hey, let's grab a thirty rack. If I had the option to say that for a craft beer, I would totally buy thirty racks. And also, fun fact: you can also make Tyler a little hard by saying that. Absorb. <laughs> hey Tyler, let's get a thirty rack. Done. See, I, you can't see it because on video, but uh, I mean, his pants just tinted about. You know, he's at half mast right now. Full. <laughs> um and they say uh and they're like you know if we're going with 30 of one specific style of beer we they want to go with their lager because i mean in a 30 rack you're looking for something like rack of imperial stout i mean you might want a 30 rack of imperial stout but (laughs) it's impractical uh then the next package they talk about is fort by 14er brewing company um and would you like to guess what fun package they did i mean we talk about a we're talking about a like a a a number of cans in a pack or what are we yep oh let's see well i'm since austin beer works already did the 99 we've got the 30 rack covered um it's gotta be um, you know what? Let's let's make this weird. Is it sixty nine? 
Their brewery name is 14er. Oh, then a 14. Yep. Okay. So they did a 14er pack. It's a Sorry, mixed I was, pack. I was, I, my brain went somewhere else after I mentioned a 30 rack to you. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but it's a mixed pack featuring four of their flagship beers, the Mount Massive IPA, the Double Mount Massive IPA, uh, their Marin Bell's Tropical Ale, Rocky Mountain Saison, and then one or two mystery beers. So you have no idea what the fuck you're getting. You know what? It's I a mixed home plaque with two randos. I love that, actually. I mean, uh, um, and so at our shop during the shutdown, um, we more as more to like uh, uh, provide a ease and ordering uh, online for delivery than actually like um, uh, you know anything else. Uh, we started doing mystery packs where we just said, "Here, here's a flat, here's a flat fee." Um, pay this, we're going to bring you, you know, X amount of beers. And that took off like wildfire. Yep. People love the idea of just like getting a box of beer. And not knowing what's going to be in. It could be awesome. People like to gamble. Yeah. I mean, you um, know, what we, uh, what we were putting in was all, you know, was, uh, was all legit, uh, craft beer. So there was very little chance of you not getting something, get, getting a bunch of cool shit unless you don't like but it. you may not like a certain beer that's gonna come and right so, i mean you do run it, the risk but you know i mean if, but if yeah. you're if you're in craft beer you're already you've already you're kind of immune to the you're used to paying money for and then having a beer and like oh well that's a bit disappointing it yep. comes it comes with the territory uh and i mean they talk about outside of yeah their name being 14er and then doing a 14er they're like, yeah, outside of that, that's that was kind of cool. But it's actually, we talked about it on this before, how uh, Founders has, f- like, struck gold with their 15 packs. And I've been able to get a super competitive price point, And it's done very well for them. And so they took that kind of approach and then just tweaked it to fit their brand and make it the 14 pack. Beautiful. Uh, coming up next... We got a varieties variety pack. So Bootstrap Brewing, uh, craft beer has always been one for having the variety pack. They took this to the next natural step. They make their own line of hard seltzers as well. So in the mix pack, you're getting beer and hard seltzer. I mean, I like the idea. Um, can I substitute the hard seltzer for more beer? No. Okay. I don't, I like the idea less. So each party pack, you get two 12-ounce cans of six of their offerings, inclu- including one of the six offerings is their hard seltzer. Um, next one is Brews Beers. Uh, this one was another one I really dug. Uh, they do a ton of Belgian-style beers uh, at this brewery. Oh, I like where this so, is going. So they decided to do a four-pack of Belgian-style. They In the four-pack is a single, double, triple, and quad. Oh, I love that, actually. that's They do a Belgian single. I'm, that, that's so rare to see. So much yep. so that um, actually um, somebody at a, a beer competition last year a homebrew competition, um, entered a Belgian single, 
and it was delicious. But all the judges, I mean, unfortunately, since no one's had a Belgian single, I mean, the, like a like a prime example of Belgian single, because they all are in Belgium. Yeah, we had a hard <laughs> time going. Well, we don't know if this is actually a good example of a Belgian single. We're going to assume that it is. <laughs> yeah, and they talked about how they do a lot to educate their customers on Belgian styles, um, and they really just kind of leaned into that niche where they can. Basically, do a flight at home, learning about the different styles, trying each of the different styles, and I'm like, that was such an easy concept. I don't know why no one's ever done that before. Well, because uh, the quarantine hadn't forced anybody to like sit down, and like, oh my god, this would be amazing. But yeah, it is one of those. That's such. It's that's. It's one of those ideas that's like brilliant, and it's like, Jesus Christ, how's no one thought of that? Mm-hmm. Uh. Kind of staying on that same train, uh, Left Hand just released a mixed eight pack of all nitro beers. So it's That's three of their, brand. yeah, yep, it's three of their year round nitro offerings plus a current uh, nitro seasonal. So two of each can, all nitro cans, eight pack, on par for the brand. I mean, you know that that. That brewery that knows that they, they know their way around a nitrogen molecule. They will. <laughs> they although yeah. they're also their IPA is surprisingly good. Oh yeah, uh, Oscar Blues uh, re- released their Paco Bliss. Uh, it's a collection of IPA that contains three distinctive beers from the Cano Bliss lineup, as well as um, the return of the Pinner Session IPA. Yes, actually, ooh, I that was one of the few like session IPAs I could actually get behind. Yeah, and then coming up next, my favorite one. No shit. Tellerud Brewings. Um, this is a twelve pack of their best selling beer, plus a rotating brewer's choice option. Um, that they have marks on the. 12-pack that you can cut holes into to make the 12-pack your own personal beer fanny pack. I want to, I mean, I'm, 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 the first thing I'm like trying to think is like how to visualize this. Oh, they have pictures on that article. Well, there you go. Well, um, I'll have to go dig that up, and that's probably the picture for the uh, for that will headline this uh, this podcast because I usually find the weirdest picture that we talk about. (laughs) So, so if you want to, so if you want to see that picture and you subscribe to our podcast, uh, check out our Facebook feed or or Instagram, and you'll uh, I'll put that picture up. I think you might end up going with the picture that inspired this 12 pack over the 12 pack, but, uh, they, the brewery came out and said, they're like, Oh, we would have loved to take credit that we saw the cultural swing of fanny packs coming back into trendy, but wait, are they coming back into trending? (laughs) Apparently, uh, fanny packs the thing again. Uh, maybe in Colorado. But the brewmaster was talks about a time that the president of the brewery uh, had a little too much fun at a bluegrass festival. Like um, you. Yep. And there's a picture in the article of Tommy, the president, 
where he seems to have lost the actual fanny pack he was wearing, but his overall attitude screams, I love fanny pack, or at least, where'd I put my fanny pack? So... (laughs) (laughs) And so after that, they were like, we want a box that acts as an actual fanny pack. And they were like, you think our customers would be into it? And they're like, yeah, we've seen some... They've seen some going into new accounts, but the main bump they've got from this has been from their like current accounts it was already in, uh, and it's actually become their fastest moving skew over the year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and... definitely. Just what you're describing. Yeah, uh, yeah, go check out our Instagram feed or our Facebook feed. Or Facebook feed. I'm putting those up tonight because I'm now intensely curious. <laughs> yep, they're like we'd like to think it hits our core customer base. People who always thought fanny packs were cool. And with the cultural resurgence of Fanny Pack, it's perfect timing. Talk niche. Oh, wow. Okay. The the great untapped uh, uh, people who like Fanny Packs market. Yep. So if you're curious what's going to be in the mix, uh, you've got some pale ales and yellow beers are always going to be crowd pleasers. So those are going to be in there. Uh, and then the brewer's choice options uh, were put in there. To leave a little bit of wiggle room and innovation for innovation and seasonality, uh, they said basically they wanted if someone grabbed you a random beer out of a box, they'd tie it around their waist. We'd want you to enjoy it without having to personally dig around in there. I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate that very much. So, sounds like we need to get a hold of these twelve packs and walk around a park. With our twelve pack fanny packs, I don't know why, but I mean, it just—it just seems wrong somehow, or right. I'm not sure. I mean, in college, me and one of my buddies duct taped a thirty rack to his chest like a kangaroo pouch, so no one would steal our beer. You have led a a horrifying life. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely soaked in shitty beer. <laughs> Oh, it was great, because we're like, gotta reach in the kangaroo pouch! (laughs) Jesus. I know, Declan, that upsets me too. So I would totally rock a 12-pack fanny pack. Well, good to know. (laughs) (laughs) Or, actually, I'll save beer can turkey for next week, so we can tease it the week before Thanksgiving. (laughs) Okay, that sounds good. All right. All right, um, you know what? It's been a while since we uh, since I when we did a, like a craft uh, brewery spotlight, uh, but uh, given the uh, uh, given a lot of like news in like uh, uh, you know we talked about the BAs um, uh, focus on trying to uh, uh, encourage uh, uh, diversity and, and inclusion, and you know a more a bigger conversation for um, you know of, of diversity and inclusion in the industry uh, altogether. Um, I thought it was a good chance, good, good, uh, 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 a time to, uh, um, to, uh, uh, do a little spotlight on a certain brewery, uh, that, and because also because I found a really uh, great article about them in the Atlanta black star. Um, we talked about this brewery a little bit in episode 53. Um, this was a, this, they came up, uh, uh, during a story about, um, uh, the brewers association and their, um, and their, um, 
the grants that they were uh, offering for uh, for uh, inclusion and diversity, which also, to my knowledge, have not been paid out, nor does anybody know anything about when they are going to be paid out. They um, just went poof. Uh, I mean, the again. I, go listen. The, go listen to that uh, uh, that episode if you are at all curious. Uh, but uh, long story short, um, you know, the the BA is asking, acting like that uh, that friend that owes you money, and it's not even like. I mean, you'd almost be like fine with just like you know what, just forget it. It's fine, but they're being weird about it. So that guy, mm-hmm. Tyler, quit looking like that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> But one of the one of the uh, breweries that came up was it was a uh, a uh, a brewery called um, Hops and Crowns, or excuse me, reverse that Crowns and Hops, um, um, and this article was by uh, Ray Williams in the Atlanta in the Atlanta Black Star, um, and it talks about um, a, a couple of people, uh, Benny Ashburn and Tio Hunter, who big fans of craft beer. In fact, they uh, like. I wasn't sure if it was like a like a YouTube channel or um, or what have you, but you know they call themselves Dark and Dank. Um, nice, but um, they uh, you know they were big fans of craft beer and noticing that there wasn't a lot of uh, I mean number one there there were almost no 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 black owners of breweries and also there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of people from their community enjoying craft beer. In fact, um, you know, as uh, Ashburn uh, said in the article, quote, um, imagine loving beer, going to breweries, and as soon as you step in the brewery, you don't see anyone that looks like you. You don't hear the music you love. It can oftentimes be a little uncomfortable. And as somebody who's traveled the country and walked into some bars and looked around and not seen another white dude anywhere... And you go, I'm in the wrong spot. <laughs> I under I understand. I that sort of makes sense to me. I'm like I've definitely looked around like, ooh, this is either gonna be really good or really bad. So let's saddle up and see what's gonna happen. Um and the other thing was is that when they did see black culture in the industry, um, it was you know, it, it was it was uh, uh, breweries largely owned by uh, by white people, run by white people, and they felt it was more. It wasn't it wasn't genuine. It was more appropriation. Um, you know, this from Hunter. Um, we started to see our culture presented on craft beer cans and in craft beer, but yet the culture wasn't there. It wasn't in craft beer. So one, it was cultural appropriation, and two. We just saw that also as an opportunity to have an authentic cultural representation within an industry that hasn't really seen us up to this point. Um, so uh, they got together and um, uh, founded uh, Crowns and Hops. It's a craft beer lifestyle brand. Um, and you know how much I enjoy the, uh, the phrase lifestyle brand. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Check out Dude Bro on a Beach episode and you'll know everything. You know what? I mean... Not to too point of not too fine a point on it. Um, I guess it's, it depends on what your lifestyle is. Um, if your lifestyle is uh, 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 shirtless on a beach, uh, go fuck yourself ten ways from Sunday. Maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's the lifestyle. Maybe it's just the lifestyle in question. I, uh, I object to. Anywho, <laughs> um, what the, the unique challenge they ran into, however, was the fact that they didn't. You know they. Unlike most craft uh, breweries where, you know, you basically, 
you you, know, you open the doors and you wait for the beardy white dudes to come in. What their big focus was, was to try to bring craft beer to the black community, uh, to, uh, to, to their neighborhoods, to their, uh, to their area of the city, um, into a place that really had not had much experience with craft beer. Um, and so in that case, you, they had to pretty much, uh, uh, um, you know, bring the, uh, you know, uh, bring the beer to them as it were. Um, and again, uh, from the article, um, you know, talking about trying to get the word out about what they were doing. Um, uh, Ashburn said, uh, we did them in the back of barbershops. We did them in shoe stores. Okay. That part struck me as weird. Uh, shoe, <laughs> shoe stores, but I mean, you know, I, Maybe that's where you find the right people. I don't know. Um, wherever we could to have an authentic conversation about what we were experiencing. We realized uh, that was the key and there was that was the first step. Um, then Hunter added, uh, start with community, um, build community, and then give the community something that could be proud of. Uh, we wanted to create more we want we wanted to create more of a beer lifestyle brand, which really hadn't been done before. Kona notwithstanding. Um <laughs> And I mean, they've been, you know, largely successful in their uh, in in their endeavors. I mean, um, their uh, you know their their lineup includes uh, you know your West Coast Pale Ale, um, uh, the Elevated Cipher, a hazy IPA, the BPL BPLB, the Black and Brown People Love Beer, um, and a clean, crisp Pilsner called uh, Beat Messenger. An American stout made out of chocolate wheat and notes of coffee, cocoa, and a touch of smoke called Urban um, called Urban um, Anomaly. Hmm. So, um, and they're you know, and they're they're kind of focuses uh, you know they they want uh, uh, they want something on all their package and all their product that speaks to their name and speaks to who they are. Um, and in fact, uh, you know, I mean being authentic to you know who they are as people is like cornerstone to what they're trying to do which not uncommon but again no. new voices new uh, new new ideas in the industry is always good 100% and i mean sounds like they've got some really interesting beers well and the and the cool thing is is that as we kind of um um we sort of kind of mentioned this um, in the uh, article about the BA, um, but um, um, having found some success, um, the the owners of uh, uh, Crowns and Hops is actually trying to. Their first focus was to bring um, bring craft beer to the black community as far as consumers. Um, their next focus is trying to bring them in as owners of craft businesses to the point where they've actually started a grant that I assume part of the money from this was cut was supposed to come from the BA. Yeah. <laughs> but actually right now on their website, uh, you can apply for a, a piece of a hundred thousand dollar grant, uh, to benefit, nice. to benefit, uh, not only, um, people of color who want to open up a brewery, but any, uh, part of craft beer, um, you know, a tap, be at a tap room, be at a bottle shop, um, they're trying to uh, get uh, more diversity in the industry, um, and and the uh, one of the ways they're doing that is from their uh, eight trill pills, um, a portion of every uh, um, 
portion of every sale from the uh, the sales from this beer um, are going to uh, are going to a uh, uh, to a fund going to this grant, and the name comes from um, a report from the Kellogg Foundation um, called a, a business case for racial equality, where it stated that if you focus on racial equality today, by 2050, you'd see an impact on the GDP of eight trillion. Oh damn! So. You know, it was it's it's their way of saying, listen, if you listen to us, you'll see, you know, real economic growth. Nice. And, you know, and, and you know, the, the point of there and the part I kind of like best is like, um, you know, craft beer for me is it's it's the affordable luxury, you know, and it thus and thus it can like uh, it, it can tr- uh, uh, traverse. Um, you know, ethnic and, and racial barriers that, let's face it, things like wine and scotch or other expensive, you know, hobbies can't do because, let's face it, socioeconomic, socioeconomic uh, barriers are real. Yes. Uh, but beer is for everyone. And yeah. even the most, I mean, even, I just said, even the most expensive, you know, top of the line craft beer runs, what, 30 bucks? Yeah. Utopias and like end of the world aside. Some, I mean, some, you know, great outliers notwithstanding, but you can go get like one of the top world class bourbon barrel aged imperial stouts for 30 bucks. You can't get or the, less or yeah. less. You can't get the best, uh, you can't get the best wine for 30 bucks. No. And so and it really is something that, uh, that, that can be for the people. And it's a positive thing for the industry as a whole because. You know, I guarantee you, people who 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 they bring into a, a craft beer, a lot of them are going to look at look. Um, oh, they're going to look out. Uh, uh, you know, after they try their beer, like, well, what else is there? And the industry as a whole grows and prospers. Well, yeah, and I just love the fact any brewery that uh, can give back to their community. While helping to try to further the industry, I think is an awesome option, and I wish them all the best of luck. All right, Tyler, uh, anything else for us today? Nope, that about wraps it up for me. All right, well, uh, this has been It's All Beer. Uh, if uh, uh, if you want to get a hold of us and let us know what the hell that hop, uh, uh, that hop technique is, or just uh, let us know about any other stories that we should be uh, uh, we should be doing. Uh, you can get a hold of us at itsallbeer at gmail.com. Um, you can see some uh, fun pictures I'm going to post up about uh, uh, fanny pack 12 packs on our Instagram and Facebook account. You can find us at itsallbeer. And, of course, you can see what's, what stories we use to get all this stuff on our Twitter feed, itsallbeer1. Um, and if you happen to own it at It's All Beer, um, you know, Kyle will pay you like five bucks and a 30 rack of Coors Light or something. Sure. Sure, why not? Um, and as always, you can leave us a, be- you can leave us a review on, uh, on Facebook or, um, or uh, uh, iTunes. It might help. It might not. Uh, but it does give Tyler a little thrill to see uh, a five-star review. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that'll be uh, <laughs> quite enough for us. I'm Jeremy Jones. <laughs> I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm going to have a beer and deal with my child. Have fun. Oh. All right. We may have to.
this this tube situation is becoming a thing. So, <laughs> of course you were gonna do that. You were being so good. I'm like, oh my god, we're gonna get through this without incident. <laughs> 